This is the Faith Center Fellowship Podcast. For more information, you can find us online at faithcenterpeople.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Listen, I was, a few weeks ago, I had been preparing for, for this message today, and I, and I had, uh, I had j- just literally set within the, the aim and the focus of what I wanted to do this morning, and I was listening to, to, to a message uh, every week. I listened anywhere from five to six on average, whether it be podcasts or, or other messages. How many know it's important to feed yourself? Amen? Amen. And listen, I, I'm just telling you, I need to be fed every day. Come on now, is anybody here? I love food, amen? But you know what I love more than anything? I love the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God is the bread of life for me, amen? It's the bread of life for me. And so every week, man, I I get as much as I can. You know, it doesn't take long to listen to a 27-minute message, right? It doesn't take that long to, to really make sure that I'm feeding myself during, during the day. And so I encourage you to, uh, to do that. And, and I was in the midst of this, and I heard uh, a phrase that came out of a message uh, that, was, that was something that I was already, already stirring in my heart. And so I want you to know that I would love to take credit for everything. I can never take credit for the message, but I would love to take credit for the preparation of this, but I can't. God gets all the credit for the message. We take credit for the work and the preparation of the message. But when I heard this, it just lit my heart on fire because it was already in the midst of things that were stirring. And so in the midst of today, I just want you to know that we're, we're going to raise the expectation in this house. We're going to raise the expectation in your heart, the expectation in your home. And we're going to read here in Luke chapter 3. And I want before we read this, I want you to understand that God had been silent for 400 years. Could you imagine praying for 400 years and not hearing anything from heaven? be a little bit disappointing. Amen? We know that, that, that when we come to the book of Malachi at the end of the, the Old Testament, you need to understand that, that, that all of the earth and, all, of the na- and all, all that was within the earth and all of creation has been, had been walking through no prophets, no, no, nothing of the word of God being proclaimed or released. It was a dark time in the history of mankind. And we see that, that God responds to them in Malachi 3, and in Malachi 3, uh, he, he, he speaks, and then things begin to unfold. And then we find ourselves here in the story in Luke chapter 3, to where we begin to see the prophet named John the Baptist come on the scene. Now, once again, I want you to understand that everything's been silent. There, there, there had not been a, a major word or major direction from the Lord for 400 years. How many of you know that 400 years makes your one month look a little bit, little bit better? Come on now, is anybody here? That 400 years makes your week where you think that you've been praying and you know you've been believing. Anybody other than me been feeling like you've been in the desert for a little bit of time and God just revealed something to me. God encouraged something. Something to God changed the circumstance somehow, some way. Anybody else ever been there before? I know I have. So that 400 years makes my week, makes my month, may make my year that I've been going through a lot better. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I thank God for expectation. Turn to the person on the other side of you and just go ahead and poke them in the forehead and say, This is for you today. Praise God. 
This is, this for, this is for every one of us today. So we, we find ourselves here as John the Baptist comes on the scene and he begins to release the word of the Lord. And what I want you to understand in the midst of the release of this word of the Lord, that there was a precursor that, that was upon the people. There, there was something that was taking place in the midst of the heart of the people. Everybody say people. In the midst of the heart of the people that began to set the stage for everything that God wanted to do. God's in pursuit of you. Can you say amen? God is in pursuit of your home. He's in the pursuit of your life. He's in pursuit of everything. But there is something that God is attracted to. And here we'll pick this up in Luke chapter 3 verse 15. Now as the people were in expectation. I'll stop there just for a moment. As the people were in expectation, I'm going to read it one more time. As the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, verse 16, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. Everybody say thank you for Jesus whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I love that picture. Amen? I love the picture. I love, I love what's being built in the expectation of these people, that they haven't heard anything from the Lord. And something begins to stir in them because not only are they hearing the promise of the Messiah coming, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but they are seeing something that they have not heard before. They are seeing something that they have not been taught before. And it was the fact that when the Messiah comes, he's bringing something to you. And when he brings what he's bringing, to you, it will be the miracle working power presence of the Lord God Almighty. And he will immerse you. That's what that word baptized means. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit, God's divine presence at work in your life. And he'll come with you, come to you in fire. That means there's something to it. There's, there, there's something that, that, that goes beyond just pursuing Jesus, but it is this expectation that began to stir in people's heart that all of a sudden God began to be attracted to it. And what, they were, what he was attracted to was this expectation that not only was Jesus coming, but he's coming to bring you his divine presence and his fire. But it was expectation that was stirring. I like what one version it's called the English version of the Bible, and I, I like that version. But what I like in this passage of Scripture specifically is that the word expectation there is not there, but what it does say, the people were on their toes with anticipation. They were up on the balls of their feet. They, they, they were up there. They, they were ready to go. They were ready to get in there. They was expecting something. There was an anticipation that was upon their heart. Can I just make an announcement today that God's asking you to get up on the ends of your feet. He's asking you not to sit back on your heels in defeat, but literally get to the place where you're up on your feet and you're up on your toes with anticipation, with expectation that God's going to release his presence in the midst of your life, your circumstance, and your situation. And when he comes, he's not only going to come with a presence, but he's going to come with a fire to begin to bring forth change in the areas that you need change. Get up on your toes, church. Get up on the balls of your feet. Get ready with expectation that God's moving 
Not tomorrow, not next year, but today. He's moving today. He's moving in this service with expectation. We begin to rise up that today is the day that the Lord has made. And I will gladly rejoice in it. I'm not going to fall back on my feet, but I'm going to get up on my toes. I'm ready. I'm expecting God to move today, 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 today. God can move. I might just preach today. Hallelujah. I might preach today. Listen, I want you to understand something. That when we have expectation in prayer, it changes our prayer life. When we have expectation in worship, we go beyond just listening to the song. But we engage in the words of the song. And what we begin to sing, we expect God to do. We expect him to perform his miracle. I love worship. I'll get into it. I'll get up on the toes of my feet. I'll anticipate what God is going to do. I'm not just listening, but I'm involved. Because the presence of God will change everything in my life. When I have expectation in my devotion, I'm not just doing it out of ritual. I'm doing it because God's going to speak something to my life today. When I'm praying for my family, I'm, I'm not just begging God, but I'm getting into it with expectation because I know that when I expect something of God's promises, he's going to come with his presence and with his fire. You see, this will change your life. This will change next week for you. This will change next year for you. 400 years of being silent. 400 years of being silent, but yet there was expectation upon the people to not only hear about Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings coming, but what the King of Kings was going to do. He's going to bring you the Holy Spirit. Immerse your life in it and bring you fire that will change everything. Listen, come on. I'm telling you, when the fire of God comes into your situation, it changes. Some of you are sitting here today. It's the first time you've heard that phrase, possibly. Or some of you are here today and you say, well, listen, that just, that, that just sounds a little bit too crazy. Can I tell you something? I'm tired of living in a crazy world and watch Christians go crazy. I want to live in a world that may be crazy, but I'm seeking God in the midst of this craziness with high expectation that God can change and transform the craziness. Come on now. Is anybody here? Amen? But we need an anticipation. We need to experience the miracle working power of God in our life. And it requires this expectation. I want to read to you Colossians chapter 2. We'll bring it up on the screens for you because I want you to, to go ahead and make your way to Acts chapter 3. But in Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, it says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. I want everybody to say requirements. requirements. Those have been taken away. Everything that was literally scripted for you, requirements for you, Jesus has taken it out of the way and he's nailed it to the cross. You know what that means? That there is nothing between you and your miracle. There is nothing between you and your miracle. Well, I have this going on in my life. I have, I have sin here and I have this. Listen, you need, to get, you need to take care of those things. You need to begin to walk as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to begin to hunger after holiness. But can I tell you something? The requirement of, of all of those things, Jesus took that away for you so that there would be nothing between you and the miracle. 
there would be nothing between you and the miracle. When it comes to expectation, I want you to listen to these two statements. I want you to listen to these two statements. If you're going to write anything down today, write these down. If you're going to take out your phone, put it into your notes, because if you will remember these two things, it will change how you look at expectation. Whenever you, you, you hear these two things, it will literally change every day of how you look at expecting God to move because there's nothing between you and your miracle. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's nothing standing in the way. Listen to this. When God is going to do something, he looks for expectation. When God's going to do something and when he's moving, you can look at it through, through history. Just follow it through biblical history. That every time God did something miraculous, there was an anticipation. There was an expectancy that began to rise. And then God did a miracle. You can see that thread through. That's why it's a, it's a principle of moving into the place of seeing God move in a, in a divine way. Listen, you may be having everything going great right now. Things might be rolling just like you need to roll them. But I don't know about you. I've been surprised a few times in my life about what I have to fight and what I have to deal with. I've been surprised a few times when I've had to raise myself out of depression. I've been, I've been surprised a few times whenever I, I had to deal with, with some challenges in this life. Anybody other than me? But I thank God that I have an expectation, not on Cody's ability, but I have an expectation on all that God is able to do and that God is divine and he is almighty and he is able to do that which he promised to do. He's able to do it. I have an expectancy in that. And so God, when he's going to do something, he looks for an expectation. You need to understand that about his character. I also want you to understand this, that expectation opens your heart to see by faith the miracle that is yet to come. That's worth everything right there today. When you understand that expectation opens your heart, that you don't just see with your physical eyes, but you see in the depth of your heart an expectation that you begin to understand that faith begins to rise and you may not have your hands on the answer. You may not have your hands on the miracle. You may not have things totally unfolding yet, but in the midst of the journey, don't lose your expectation because it opens your heart wider than what it was yesterday. It opens your heart more deeper than what it was two months ago. With expectation, your heart opens up and your faith begins to rise because you know there's a miracle on its way. There's nothing between you and your miracle. There's nothing between you and your miracle. In Luke's gospel, the Bible tells us, we already read it, but he will baptize you. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We should expect God to pour his spirit out on our life, God's spirit out on our home, God's spirit out on our communities, and God's spirit out in our church. We should expect God to pour himself out. We should expect miracles. We should have an expectation that today God could do a miracle in this house. We should expect today when we come into the, into, the, into the doors of the house of the Lord that there would be a miracle that would take place in somebody's life, a miracle of healing, restoration, whatever it may be. I'm expecting miracles. Listen, when I show up to church here on Sunday morning early, I don't come in and say, God, I, I hope that somebody hears. You know what I pray? I say, God, I declare in the name of Jesus somebody's going to receive a miracle today. We're in the presence of the Lord. God can do a miracle today in somebody's life. Amen. But that's just not on Sunday morning. I'll wake up tomorrow morning on Monday morning because I'm expecting God to do something. God do a miracle today. God do a miracle today. Oh, but pastor, I've prayed that and nothing's happened. You haven't prayed long enough. 
Oh, you mean I got to pray for more than a week? Yes. I got to pray for more than a year? Yes, possibly. Some things Amy and I have been believing for in the arena of a miracle within this house, within the ministry of this house for years. But I'm still expecting every time that I set foot on this property, God's going to do a miracle. God's going to do a miracle. God's going to do a miracle. Expecting him to do it. I love what Psalm 119 verse 126 says this. We'll bring this up for you. But in Psalm 119, David says this, and this is very unique, but I want you to, to hear the heart of it because he says, it's time for you to act, O Lord. Now, some people say that that would be a very demanding prayer of the Lord, but can I tell you something? It was inspired enough by the Holy Spirit to be scripted in the word of God for you so that you understand a conversation with the Lord is, God, you need to act. You need to act. I'm not commanding God, I'm commanding his word. Are you hearing me? Because there's a difference. I'm command- his word will not return to him void, but it'll accomplish the purposes for which he sent it. You need to act, O Lord. But now, now notice what he says. It's time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. When there's a void, God's ready to act. But let me tell you why David scripted this in Psalm. You remember David's story, right? As a young man, he killed a lion and killed a bear on the way to kill a giant. He killed a lion. He killed a bear on the way to kill a giant. And it was the expectation that was built in him that if he could take out the lion and he could take out the bear, when he saw the giant, the expectation was already in him. Why? Because God already showed up. When David stepped on foot on the battlefield, please hear me in this, when he stepped in foot on that battlefield and he began to say, looking at the giant that was in the land, everybody else disregarded the promise of God. Everybody else was running from the promise of God. There was a void that was there, but yet there was, listen to me, one young man that stepped into the midst of that battlefield that had an expectation that if God could do it once, he could do it twice. And here he is the third time, the giant's coming down. And that's why he stood in the midst of that battlefield and he says, who is that uncircumcised Philistine that is is cursing my God? He's coming down. Can somebody please hand me a slingshot and some stones. I'm going to go get him. Come on now. Is anybody here? Is anybody here? Listen, listen, there's some of you that you've taken out the lion and you've been dealing with the bear and you're, you're, you're too tired to fight the giant. But when you're full of expectation, that lion and that bear is being removed and you're ready to take on the giant. You're ready to get there. Listen, whenever you're weary, there's begins to be a void begins to be a, become forth in you and you feel empty. But in the midst of that emptiness, oh God, you need to perform. You need to act, oh God. You need to act, oh God. I don't know what I was rolling through David's mind in the midst of that battlefield. I know what my mind would be saying. This is crazy. I've only, you know, been doing this for a couple of years. This really needs to be on target this time. Come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget all the times that I missed the earlier targets. Come on now, is anybody here? But in this moment right here, you need to act, oh God, because there's a void. And this giant is affecting the generation that I live in. And I have an expectancy 
that if I will step into this, oh God, that you will act in the midst of this void. Because God looks for expectation. And when there's expectation, it begins to set the groundwork for God to do a miracle. It's not dependent on us and not dependent upon our actions, but what it is dependent upon is is, is a response from us to be full of expectation. And David said, listen, listen, there's a void, and God, I need you to act. God will act in the midst of a void. Listen, you know why he acts? Because Romans 8, 17. Romans 8, 17 says this. If you are children, then you are heirs. I love this. You are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we might be glorified together. You're a joint heir with Christ if you're born again. (coughs) Excuse me. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior... You're a joint heir with him. That every promise of the word of God, every promise of the word of God is for you. You're a joint heir to that. You're a joint heir to the promise that everything that was promised Christ, we're a joint heir with him. And so it's ours. The promise is ours. You're a joint heir with it. God wants to do it. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to do it. He wants to perform his word in your life. So, so what if I've been dealing with something for a long time? Then I, I said this, this last Wednesday night, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Fine. No, no matter how difficult it may be, God's promises still stand, but enjoy the journey. Because in the midst of the journey, I'm growing. I'm deeper in my relationship with the Lord. I'm growing in greater understanding. And I'm finding joy in the midst of the trial, even though the trial stinks, right? Even though the trial is tough and it's difficult, I'm still enjoying the journey. Because I have an expectation. I have an expectation that God is going to move because I'm a joint heir with Christ. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to run away from me and say, hey, good luck with that. Way to go, kid. He's not not saying that to you. He says, you're a joint heir with Christ. Stand in that. Now here in Acts chapter 3, I want you to to see this in Acts chapter 3 real quickly. This is a powerful illustration of how expectation begins to move us from where we're at to where God can do a miracle. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple." I want you to understand something. I'm going to pause just for a moment because I want you to understand something. Is that in, the, in this day and time, is that what the government would do is that they would, they, would, they would specify certain people due to their disability to be in certain places and allowed to be there. And the expectancy of the government was that people would, would give alms. It was okay to give alms. It was okay to give to them because they have been sanctioned. You know, the Bible says that they carried them, carried him and set him beside the gate beautiful. That was a designated area for those that were carrying disabilities that it was approved that they could be there, but he had help, he had help getting there. And so he comes to the gate, this gate beautiful. He, he, he sees Peter and John. And, and I love this in verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Look at us. And so he gave them his attention expecting. 
He gave Peter his attention with expectation, with expecting to receive something from them. Just anything. Just anything. He was in such a desperate place that anything. Now, many times in the, in the course of, of hearing this story and, and, and hearing this throughout the years, if you've been in church a long time, the, the focus has been on the statement that's been made. And it's a powerful statement because Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do give to you, all right, I release to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. What a miracle, amen? What an incredible miracle. It's a powerful miracle, all right? And so he, the one that was expecting, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I believe that God wants to reveal to those that are around us the amazing power of miracles. I believe that we should have an expectation that no matter at the risk, no matter what the risk is, what what if something doesn't happen? What if something doesn't change? See, there was an expectancy Peter and John were just going to pray. Come on, are you hearing me? Peter and John were just showing up doing their regular thing. But because there was a man that was expecting, God is attracted to that expectation. And in the midst of that expectation, it set the groundwork for a miracle to happen. And Peter and John just walking doing their thing. Wouldn't it be awesome this week if you were walking and doing your thing and somebody began to have expectancy and they just walk up to you and say, will you pray for me? And all of a sudden you pray for them and God begins to do a miracle in their life. Wouldn't that be incredible? Listen, Peter and John aren't special. They're Peter and John. You realize this is the same Peter who cursed Christ, right? Right. This is the same Peter that ran away from, the, from, from when the trouble got hot, he ran away and hid. Come on now, is anybody here? All right, this is the same one. He's just like you and I, doing his regular thing. But because there was an expectancy upon this lame man, something shifted and something changed. All right, listen, I want you, I want you to under, understand this, that expectation sets the stage for something to happen. I love what 1 John chapter 3 says. 1 John 3, 1 says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Watch this. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Watch this. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we'll walk like him, for we shall see him as he is. Can I tell you something? The enemy is not concerned about what you did. He's not concerned about what you may have attempted to do. But you know what terrifies him? You know what causes hell to shake? Is is the fear of what is yet to be revealed in your life. What is yet to come. We don't know what all is yet to come. But we do know this. That when there is an expectancy, it is the groundwork for God to do a miracle. So even for those things that are not yet revealed... The enemy may be trying to stop me from what is yet being revealed, but I want you to know something. When I'm expectancy, I can step right through it. I can walk walk around it. 
It may, it may take me down to the ground, but I want you to know I don't have to stay on the ground. I can get back up because I have expectancy. I can get back up on my toes because I know that even in the midst of it, I don't know what all is going to be revealed, but it's going to be powerful and it's going to be awesome. Come on, how many of you know the Bible says that literally eye has not seen nor ear has heard the good things which God has prepared for you? I hasn't seen it yet. Ear has not even conceived it yet. The things in which God has prepared for you. They have not been yet revealed. And I want you to know that all of hell is, is trembling when you wake up. And when you wake up in expectancy, when you start your day in expectancy, I want you to know there are things not yet to be revealed. So if there's any other reason that you need to be ready with expectancy is because of that. You don't know what's going to be revealed. You don't know what God is yet to do. You, you don't, and because it is yet to be revealed, I want you to know your greatest miracle is ahead of you. Your greatest miracle is ahead of you. God's been good. He's been awesome. He's been incredible. God has been good to you. God has been good to me. But there is that yet which is to be revealed. And I'm going to stay in expectancy. I'm going to stay up on my toes. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to be ready with expectancy because I serve the God that is bigger than my prayer life. I serve a God that is larger than my problem. I serve a God that goes beyond my, my worship. I serve a God that is ready and looking for expectation. And I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm in it. Ah, but pastor, I'm tired. Well, good. Join the club. I'm wore out. Yeah, welcome. I feel you. But that doesn't change that there are those things which are yet to be revealed and eye has not seen and ear has not heard the good things in which God has already prepared. I'm ready. I'm anticipating. I'm full of expectation that God is well able. That God is well able. Listen, Isaiah 51, 13 says this, and you forget the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of your oppressor when he has prepared to destroy and where is the, fur, the, the, the fury of the oppressor? Isaiah says, you've forgotten something. You have forgotten the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens. Come on now, who do you believe in? Don't forget that God is almighty. Don't forget that God is well able. Well, I prayed and nothing happened. God is still able. Your circumstance does not dictate God's power. Come on now, is anybody here? Your situation does not dictate what God is able to do. Do not forget that God is the maker of the heavens and the earth. Do not forget that God is almighty. Come on now, is anybody here? Do not forget your God. And he says, where is, if you look around, where is the fury of your oppressor. Jesus already defeated him. He took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He ripped him out of the hands of hell, and he literally has given you and I the authority over every evil thing that is on the earth. Come on now, is anybody here? You have an authority, and when your expectancy is high, authority works a lot better. Why? Because you haven't forgotten the Lord your God. Our expectation must be driven to one specific thing. 
And, I, and wait, before I do this, I almost forgot. I, I want to share the story with you in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, the story of blind Bartimaeus. This is a powerful story. Again, you remember me telling you that in this time of history that they, that they would place those with disabilities in certain places and it was okay by the government for you to give them alms and you to give them uh, 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 offerings and, and things to, to, to help them. But for, for the blind, is what they would do is they would give them a garment. It was a marked garment. And so everybody knew that if they had this marked garment, that you as a citizen should help them to the place where they needed to be so that they could receive alms. And the Bible says that blind Bartimaeus, whenever he sees Jesus, I want you to catch this. It's so powerful. When he sees Jesus, the Bible says that he cries out and he says, son of David, have, or he doesn't see Jesus. He hears Jesus coming. He's blind, right? You got that. Right. So he hears that Jesus is coming. He hears that Jesus is coming and he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I love what the Bible says in, in Mark's gospel. The Bible says that he takes his garment and he throws it down. He takes his garment and throws it down. And for many years, I wonder why was that so significant that that was scripted in the Bible? I never will forget this because the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me and said because he had to take off his identity and began to step into what God had for him in that moment. You see, the identity was I'm blind. The identity was this is the way it's all going to be. The identity was this is just it. Man, I, I, this is, nothing's going to change. This is, this is who I am. And so literally in that moment, he takes that garment off and literally he begins to receive his sight. Why? There was an expectancy to change. Listen to me. An expectancy to change where he was to receive what God has for him. Listen, you know why you fight the same battle over and over again? Because you've lost your expectancy. You've lost your expectancy. You have forgotten that God is bigger than what you're facing. Come on now, is anybody here? And until you shift and shake off that old identity and begin to get into the place. Because see, he could have just sat back and said, hey, this is it. This, this is just the way it's going to be. You know, I could do that. I could do that. I could just sit back and say, you know what? This is just as good as it's going to get. This is the, this is the only thing that's going to be. But I choose to wake up every day to get up on the toes of my feet and say, God, with expectancy, you're going to do a miracle today. In expectancy, God, you're going to move in this area of my life. Come on now. Is anybody here? Blind Bartimaeus made that step in expectancy expectancy brought him to the place where he threw that off. So where do you and I place our expectancy? I want you to write these down because we have to understand where we started this morning that expectancy was what was, was, was set the stage, excuse me, for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come. The presence of God's divine nature to come and invade where you're at right now. Listen, there's somebody here today that, 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 that literally you, you, you've been fighting fear. You've been fighting fear over and over and over and over again. Literally, it's like it's been years. You're fighting it over and over and over again. It's time to take the garment off. It's time to raise an expectancy and know that God is well able to do it by his presence. By his presence. So I want you to write these down. Where do we put, where do we put that expectation? In the promise of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because here's what the Holy Spirit does to you. First of all, he invades your life. The Spirit of God comes to invade every area of your life. 
You know what that means? That means where you're weak, he begins to make you strong. Where you lack, he begins to make up the difference. When you don't have boldness, the spirit of God comes to give you and invade your life. Why wouldn't we want the Holy Spirit to invade us? Because we maybe have a a wrong view and opinion of who the Holy Spirit is. It's the Holy Spirit's God. He's all God. And he wants to invade your life. Invade your life. So where should our expectancy begin? Our expectancy should move from our miracle and get to the presence that will bring the miracle. Our expectation should be in the place of where we invite the Holy Spirit to come, the Holy Spirit to invade our life, to invade every part of us. Because so many times we're focused on what we need when God is more focused on what it is that you need inside you so that you can walk through the need that you're facing. Did you hear what I just said? There are so many times we're focused out here externally and those things may be mounting. I meant the lion and the bear were one thing and the giant screaming and it's external, but God is more concerned with what is invading your thoughts, what is invading your heart, what is invading every area of your life. Holy Spirit, come and invade me. I'm going to put an expectation on the promise that the Holy Spirit, the immersion of the fire of the Holy Spirit comes to invade my life. Now, could you picture tomorrow morning when you wake up and you have all of these things on your list and all these things that you're facing, but if you would just start your morning out just by saying, Holy Spirit, my expectancy is that you invade my life today. I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to find yourself 30 minutes later and you're going to go, God, thank you for all that you just did in me and with me and for me. Thank you for being, being with me. Come on now, is anybody here? It's amazing what that prayer will do. It's amazing what that expectancy will do. Here's here's the second thing that we need to do with our expectancy. The first one is our expectancy is on the Holy Spirit to invade us. Here is the second one, that the Holy Spirit of God wants to envelop us. He wants to envelop us. He wants to come and surround us to be around us. What's the significance of this? Let me just give you this illustration. See, I've I've got a piece of paper here that says you. This is you. And when you ask the Holy Spirit to come and invade you, he then envelops you. He takes you and he puts you into this envelope, into an envelope. He comes around you with his presence. He takes you off. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a seal to us. And so when the Holy Spirit comes to invade us, he envelops us. He, He comes around us. And when he envelops us, we are able to do two things. One, we are protected. Come on now, is anybody here? We're protected by the, from the elements. We're protected to, 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 to do what it is that we need to do because when he envelops us, we are able to be sealed by him and then the Holy Spirit's role is to get us to our destination. You're gonna catch that in the middle of your mashed potatoes. He envelops you. He surrounds you because you need to be protected to get to your destination. Why should we have an expectancy in the Holy Spirit? Because he comes to invade you. He comes to envelop you because literally you have a destination to get to. And he comes and he surrounds you to protect you. And then here's the third thing that the Holy Spirit of God wants to do. He wants to instruct you. 
He wants to instruct you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit tells us of things to come. Listen, you have to understand the power of this is, is because when our expectancy is in pursuit of the Holy Spirit of God, he invades us, he envelops us, and he instructs us. You don't know how to get out of the mess that you're in right now, but the Holy Spirit does. You don't have the steps to take to get beyond where you're at, but the Holy Spirit knows your steps. The Bible said the, righteous, or the, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. If you're not expecting the Holy Spirit to invade and to envelop and to instruct you, you never hear the instruction when you need the instruction. Come on now, is anybody here? I love you, church. I love you, church. God's bringing you to your toes. God's bringing you to the place of expectancy. Because when you put your expectancy, the beginning point is to expect what Luke 3 said. The people were expecting, and John the Baptist said, listen, don't look to me. The Messiah is coming, but when he comes, when he comes, he's coming to baptize you, to immerse you in the Holy Spirit and fire. There's been many of us that we've come to the altar to receive Jesus, but our expectancy stopped at the altar. We need to get our expectancy out of the altar and get up on our toes and say, Holy Spirit, come, invade me, immerse me, uh, literally envelop me and instruct me. Because when that expectancy is there, get ready for the miracle. We see in the Word of God, and I'm going to close with this, but in the, in the Word of God, we see uh, Saul, who later become the Apostle Paul. And Saul had been murdering Christians, but yet he come to an encounter on the road to Damascus with Jesus. And Jesus began to ask him the question, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? The goads was a long spear. And Jesus said, Paul, listen, you're kicking against me. You're fighting everything that I'm trying to do in your life. And so Jesus literally, literally touched him on the road to Damascus. He becomes blind and he's, and he's like that way for three days. Now watch this. God goes to Ananias by the spirit of God and he tells Ananias, listen to the instruction, that there is a man by the name of Saul that you're going to meet on the road to Damascus. And listen to this. This is so powerful that literally Jesus said to, said to Ananias by the spirit of God, watch this that he sees you, a man named Ananias, coming to pray for him. Isn't that incredible that the apostle Paul can't see anything? He's, he's totally in a place where, where he is just him and God. It's just him and God. How many of you know that when you're in that place, your expectancy kind of raises up because you're desperate? Church, can I tell you something? We don't need to let circumstances make us desperate. We need to be desperate every morning that we wake up. Desperate to be expected. Desperate to be up on our toes to watch God move mightily in our life. And the apostle Saul then sees Ananias in a vision. And so he comes to that place. Ananias meets him there. And Ananias comes up to him. And the Bible, watch this, says, it says that he laid hands on Paul. And it was like scales fell off of his eyes. Now, I don't know specifically what that looked like. But can I tell you something? Expectancy will change the way that you view everything around you. And especially how you view God. But the Holy Spirit comes to instruct you. And if you're not expectant of the Spirit of God to invade you to envelop you, to instruct you, you can mess your miracle. 
And we see people every week, we see people every year walking the same way. And the whole time, God's saying, would you just begin to expect my presence to come? I can't tell you the number of times that I've prayed for people and nothing happened. I can't tell you the number, number of times that, that literally I, I began to talk to people about the Holy Spirit and I pray for them. And then later on about midnight, one o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden the Spirit of God begins to visit them and they spend the next three or four hours just in the presence of God. You see, I'm not, I'm not in charge in how God responds, but you know what I am in charge of? I'm in charge of being up on my toes. I'm in charge of being expectant of the God of miracles. I'm in charge of uh, literally responding to God and saying, God, invade me by the Spirit of God. There's some of you, you've been walking through a trial for months, and today is a day of miracles where you stop walking through the trial and you become expectant in the miracle-working power of God to invade your circumstance, to envelop you and protect you and to give you the instruction to get all the way out. Hallelujah. To get all the way out. To get all the way out. Listen, it doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't have to be the same. Get up on your toes. Begin to lift your expectancy to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Spirit of God will invade you, will envelop you, will instruct you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Let's raise the expectancy of this house today. Let's raise the expectancy of our life today. Some of you have been waiting for circumstances to change. This week they're going to change in the mighty name of the Lord. You say, how do you know that? I don't know that. But I know that if you will begin to raise with expectancy, it sets the groundwork for the Spirit of God to invade, to envelop, and to instruct you in your next steps. Praise God. Amen. My gosh, I've preached hard today. But there's an expectancy. There's an expectancy. There's an expectancy in this hour and this time. The world's gone crazy. But thank God he hasn't been silenced for 400 years. Thank God he's given us the Holy Spirit. Thank God he's given us the miracle-working presence of God to invade and to envelop and to instruct our lives. Amen? Amen? This is what I'm going to do this morning. I wasn't going to do this today, but yet I, I, think, I, I think I am. I've been, I've been wavering on this, but, but here I go. I'm just going to step out in faith. That listen, if your expectancy has been at zero, what we're going to do is we're going to start a worship song here in just a few moments. Maybe your expectancy has been at zero. Maybe it's been low. Maybe it hadn't been at zero. But yet you know for what is not yet seen, not yet revealed, your expectancy needs to go to a higher level. I'm gonna ask our ministry teams to come right here in the front. I'm gonna be right here in the front. Maybe we all, just if there's not enough room, we'll make room, all right? But I'm telling you this week, God wants to do something in the arena of your life and expectancy is gonna be the groundwork of the Spirit of God to come. Specifically, there's somebody that's been fighting fear for months upon months upon months. Come to these prayer team people as soon as we start and you say, you just walk up here and you say, that fear, it's been laying right here and it needs to go. It needs to go. Listen, there's, you understand this fear is crippling your ability to respond to those that love you. That fear is crippling you from the ability to respond to those that love you so deeply. And today there's going to be an expectancy that rises up as you respond to the word today. Listen, can I tell you something? It doesn't have anything to do with me, but, 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 but literally the lame man looked on Peter and John. He looked on the man of God. 
And he said, I don't know what you got for me. I don't know what you got for me. But whatever you got, I, I, I need God to move right now. See, the issue is not me. The issue is the expectancy that God is able to do something. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go to this worship song. Two things. One, if that fear has been riding you, it's going to get off. And secondly, if expectation needs to rise, just come to the altar. You, may don't, you don't need anybody to pray, but just come to the altar and worship today. Come on, let's lift our voices to the Lord. We're right on time. So come on, let's lift our voices. Let's worship. If you need to come, come on.